There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? Wish you would step back from that ledge, my friend. Third Eye Blind. That's, <laughs> That's what that is. That's Third Eye Blind. Well, I love Third Eye Blind. <laughs> no, Collective Soul is the one that... Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, um, are we good to go? Yeah. No, 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 I can't. Okay, welcome to the last podcast on the left, what? everyone. No! I'm Ben Kissel. I'm staring at Marcus Parks. And in the studio with someone reminded me of 90s music. Yeah, it's me, Scott Weiland, yeah. Oh, Jesus, yeah, Scott. Yeah. You know, sometimes, you know, I like to do is I go to sleep. Right before I go to yeah. sleep, I light a cigarette. You know, you're not supposed to sleep and smoke, but guess what? I break all the rules. You're going to light your couch on fire <laughs> and get burned alive. I save it for the morning by just resting in the top of my bush. <laughs> Henry Zabrowski. Yeah. How are you, Henry? I am mildly hungover. I Good. don't normally do this anymore because we're trying to be more professional on the show. <laughs> uh-huh. But Jackie and I saw Billy Joel last night you at did. MSG. Really? And I gotta say, we're moving out. <laughs> moving out. Holy. And uh, so how long did Billy Joel perform for? He, uh, per- he His jowls performed for two hours. That's incredible. <laughs> he was very good. Good, vo- good voice. You started to lose some steam towards the end. But then right. he'd also play Mets updates from the playoffs, <laughs> like on the background. Of course yeah, he he's did. from he's our hometown boy, hometown guy. Yeah. All right. Today's episode we have a three parter, and it's all about magic. And on today's episode, we're focusing on the right hand path. Yes. Yes. Ooh. Magic. The grouping together. <laughs> the grouping. <laughs> because there's certain ways of saying getting together that if we were to say magic, if we were to say magic the blah 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 uh-huh. that was that way there are other ways to say it that are not copyright infringement <laughs> oh i see so Perfect. this is last podcast and left presents magic they the, hang out the hangout <laughs> all right there's a bunch yeah. of different ways to do magic apparently yeah there are there are essentially what we're going to be going through in this series it's a whole variety of like 20th century western magical disciplines and philosophies we've got the right hand path the left hand path and chaos magic Ooh. now we want to i can't stress hard enough that we are beginners at this oh god yes marcus and i have been doing a uh, rituals as we've talked about on the show. Uh, Dog meat's got an altar in his home. I, yeah. too real, have an altar in my home. This is true. This is not horseshit. I have a little. It's a little stool, and I've got a pentagram like little tablecloth on it. Mm-hmm. I got two black candles on it, and I got um, my, I got a fucking human teeth on the side of it, mm. and I have a fucking girlfriend. <laughs> That's great. And all that shit works out. Yeah, all yeah. that shit works out because we're gonna find out magic. Is mostly about getting laid and making money, and that's it, called the scare the hell out of the Chinese delivery uh, man shrine. Yeah, right? yeah. He goes, uh, uh, most bad rock to bring around town to this home, but still, uh, most generous with the tip. Very good. Yeah, <laughs> um, but uh, but but we are neophytes. Yes. in the world of magic. So know that all of this is just a primer, and the right hand yeah. path specifically that we're talking about today is the most rule laden and complex version of magic. As it goes al- along from mm-hmm. the right hand to left hand to chaos, it gets simpler and more easier to do, which is like Marcus and I do a lot of chaos magic because it's about the doing of the thing. We're going to talk about 
right-hand path, which is about the learning of the thing, and it is mm-hmm. all made up. It seems like <laughs> chaos magic would be the most difficult to understand. I understand a right hand. I understand a left hand. But uh, it seems like, uh, anyway, uh, be careful with all this stuff, ladies and gentlemen, because if you mess up the magic, you'll turn your mother into a donkey. <laughs> all right. I am going to say, be you safe. have to, I you, need you to open your eyes. No, I'm, right? I'm a little I bit sick. sick. I'm under the weather. <laughs> you're feeling sick. Uh, you're slump-shouldered, even talking about, every yeah. time you say the word magic, your eyes just kind of roll back a little bit. <laughs> but just know today, okay. we're, we're, this is Hogwarts. <laughs> right. No. Give this me. is this is the first one. This is your freshman orientation. Yeah. I represent the the uh, the sample uh, audience of people who don't know anything about this. That's great. So let's yeah. do it. You're a pert young eighteen year old girl who's <laughs> walking onto a university for the first time, and she's from a small town. Yeah. Now she's at NYU, and she's mm. like, oh, hopefully the city will teach me as much as the school will. <laughs> and that's what you are. I hope not. So the central idea behind twentieth century uh, magical thought is the concept of will and or intent. Now, this is Western magic. Western, mm. Not yes. Eastern magic, which is a whole other shit, and it mostly involves about folding paper into cranes. <laughs> <laughs> this shit is good. This is a little bit... Uh, so, just so you know, this is our concentration tip. Yes, this is definitely... We're concentrating on Western magic, which is influenced uh, at times by Eastern magic, but mostly once you get to fuck magic. Mm. So... <laughs> oh, right, good. <laughs> the purpose behind this type of magic is to bring about specific changes in Eastern either your internal consciousness or to bring about tangible changes in your external life, i.e. real-world results. And one accomplishes this by transforming their perception and or state of awareness. You know what Henry's been talking about the last few days, what he's been saying? Perception meets ritual meets reality. We're going to tell you what the fuck that means. All right. So the idea behind this is another thing that Henry's been talking about a lot is that reality is malleable. Mm. You know, uh, the best example of this, and the <laughs> it is, it is Ben. I you just, I mean, I'm just... listening to Marcus, please. <laughs> well, I mean, that's I'm gonna. What I'm gonna try to do, what we're both gonna try to do here is we're gonna try to give you examples of things that you might already know about. Right. Uh, pop culture is a great touchstone here, specifically the Matrix. When you talk about the idea that reality is malleable. See, this is it's an extreme example, but if you'll remember in the Matrix, Neo was able to manipulate his environment through a pure act of will. Because he had to, but he had to understand that he was a part of a manipulatable environment, and exactly. that's what all reality is. Mm-hmm. And again, this is why every video on YouTube that remotely talks about conspiracies or magic starts with uh, Larry Henderson. What's his name? Doing the Larry uh, Henderson, <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne, <Yes. laughs> doing the blue pill, red pill shit. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so, why don't you just go ahead and forget about all of the horrible things that conspiracy theorists have done to the Matrix? Forget about all the memes. Remember that the Matrix is a fantastic movie. <laughs> and, like, it's a it rip is, roar in action. It's a rock. great oh. movie, and that's been the entire point of this four year journey <laughs> is to plug the Matrix. <laughs> Finally, we're getting this Hollywood blockbuster. For the exposure it deserves. It needs to be recognized. <laughs> well, it's what it is, is that the Matrix is magic disguised as technology. Right. You know, it's a it's a great example of magical ideas in pop culture. The Matrix was the next step after the Invisibles, which the Invisibles was the next step after the Illuminatus trilogy, and so on and so forth throughout history. Does this I know uh, I watched that documentary The Nightmare. 
mm-hmm. where people with sleep paralysis. Does that have anything to do with it? That no. middle ground between nope. nothing at all. No. All right, nope. great. Move on. <laughs> Perfect. Hey, well, hey, I'm just asking. To, I'm mean, just asking could, questions. No, no. Well, uh, the the sleep paralysis could have something to do with the collective unconsciousness. Boom. Uh, but that is something. That's a whole different can of worms. How about the right sex there? tape that Lawrence Fishburne's daughter made? No, Anything no. That, that was a paid pornography. <laughs> that was a paid pornography film. Okay. <laughs> right, right, right. So while magic is admittedly goofy as shit really cool stuff can come from it well the idea the problem is is that what we're going to learn about the right hand path is these guys covered the cool stuff with goofy shit like the hats and the and the the freemason style like degrees and the rituals because they wanted it to appear mysterious and they wanted to have the it's why we we talk about with satanic panic with the idea of like you you surround it with fake ritual stuff so nobody gets to the real truth and so they have to go through a bunch of bullshit in order to learn that reality is a hologram and basically right. what they what they say with with all magic is that you have to kind of kind of trick your brain into understanding it and so they use symbolism and stuff like that and a lot of times live symbolism requires stupid hats yeah so you're opening but you don't need the hats you can do you all don't this, need you can the do this hats. well that's where butt naked if you want we're to. gonna get to that with chaos magic okay. well the difference is is that back when these people were doing this type of stuff the human brain was not tuned into this sort of thing uh, you weren't able to understand these abstract concepts yet it was you were there to survive so the only people that was able to do this sort of thing is then Fops. Absolutely. Rich people, you know, <laughs> with a lot of time on their hands that yeah. they didn't have to spend all their time surviving. But right. now that we're in the 20th century, especially the latter half of the 20th century, ideas like that are put forth in the Illuminatus trilogy, the Invisibles, the Matrix, our brains are already primed for that. Yes. So our brains, we have a head start on all this magic stuff, which is why it goes from the right hand path to the left hand path to chaos magic, because we're already primed for it. The groundwork has been laid. Right. Let's let's get into it. Right. Let let's let's get into it. You know, let let's let's really get into the beginnings of Western magic, which is the Kabbalah. And by the way, we took most of our research on this episode from a phenomenal book called Stealing Fire from Heaven. It's by this guy Neville Drury. Mm. It's uh it's Oxford Press, so it's a little academic. I mean, he's got a nerd's name. His name is Neville. <laughs> yeah. So that's that means Neville is British for asthma. <laughs> I think that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it does it gives you a, a great primer on a lot of these traditions and it goes into a lot of the history, stuff that we don't necessarily have time to go into here, but if you're really interested in going into magic, that it, it's a great primer. And for I, all of this, stuff. I do love this quote from Michael Aquino that you have here for the, that started uh, for the founder of the Temple of Set, which took all the fun shit out of Satanism. Yeah, yeah, and Michael Aquino, huge dickhead, huge but. dickhead. Started you, we know he worked for the, the for psychological operations of the U.S. Army. He created uh, the Mind War program that he's that they're using on American citizens. Um, but he said this about magic, which is very interesting. Humanity is like a <laughs> tall building. It needs stage after stage of scaffolding. Religion after religion, philosophy after philosophy. One cannot build the 20th floor from the scaffolding of the first. Good point, Michael. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) 
Oh no! I forgot to clip my eyebrows this morning. <laughs> How yep. will I make them look? Make me look arch and inquisitive without my pointed eyebrows? <laughs> Looking bushy, a queen, a queeno. <laughs> but that's exactly what you know. What I was just talking about is that all of these things build upon each other, uh, and Kabbalah. Right is where all of this stuff starts. This is kind of where uh, the building of Western magic begins. Kabbalah uh, is... I try to attempt to explain Kabbalah in two sentences, I think, uh, okay, Kabbalah, first sentence, Kabbalah is near incomprehensible... Uh, Kabbalah is a near incomprehensible offshoot of Jewish mysticism. I can uh, explain it. Yeah, go ahead. Kabbalah is Madonna's music video for Ray of Light. (laughs) You know what? That's pretty close. That's pretty close. <laughs> you can pretty much get anything you need from Kabbalah by watching Ray of Light. Actually, yeah, yeah it does. Get, body of Light is something that we'll talk about later. But which also makes no sense. But yeah. it's, this is a... <laughs> it's a it's a creation story that was based off of an arcane sect of Jewish belief that these entities came from a from some... What do you got written what here? Is it? <laughs> I have been trying to no, understand Kabbalah it. this whole time. I've got it. Like, I've got a, I've got a, a fairly simple explanation, as simple as I can make Kabbalah, because, like I said, this stuff is incomprehensible, and I've been working for weeks on trying to turn this into something that people can understand. Yeah, and Mar- Marcus is literally hovering above his chair. <laughs> yeah. He has been doing magic. It's working for you. You look great. Your skin is clear. You've quit smoking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. good if you have a hemorrhoid or something, too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it's like a donut pillow that you'd use... With your mind. <laughs> Ooh, a mind donut pillow. So God first taught the framework of Kabbalah to a select group of angels who shared it with Adam, who passed it to Noah, who passed it to Moses, and so on and so forth. It's just like that Bible, one begat the next, the begat the next, and all that. So people passed that down as an oral tradition until 1280 AD when a rabbi named Shimon Bar Yochai Shimon. <laughs> dared to write it all down. For nobody dared to write down anything about the Kabbalah before 1280 AD. He wrote it all down in a book called Zohar, which translates loosely to the Book of Splendor. Oh, I Ooh. thought it had something to do with um, the water boy. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Right, or was it um, uh, uh, not poss- Billy Madison? Possibly not messing with Gilmore. <laughs> That's the problem with with my uh, uh, immaturity as a man. <laughs> right, is right, that right. I can't read the word Zohar without thinking about Adam Sandler. Yeah, um, yeah. even though it's an ancient Jewish idea. <laughs> what was Zohan? Oh wow. <laughs> I don't know there. I, I'm not up to date on my Adam Sandler. I've been, smoking, I've been smoking a lot of weed. <laughs> yeah, um, but again, remember that this is a creation story. Yes, this is a creation story. Kabbalah says that all aspects of manifested form come from Ayan Sof Aur. We also don't know how to pronounce these, so fucking back off for a second. Yeah, please. We don't back, know how to do these ancient Hebrew back words. The fu- I have never heard anybody say these words out loud until I have said them out loud myself. <laughs> yeah. All right? So give me a fucking break here. That translates to limitless life, and that is the realm which has, quote, neither qualities nor attributes. One could consider it a featureless void from which all is born. You could consider it, say, the, uh, the void that was before the Big Bang. Mm. Think of it. If think there of it was that way. one, <laughs> if there was one, if we were the, just one of many universes that already existed, and or we've been continuing forever, or it's been a cycle of you're like Neil deGrasse Tyson, but if he never went to school. 
<laughs> so the energy that emanates from Aeon Soft Hour form the ten spheres upon the Tree of Life. Now, the Tree of Life is central to understanding Kabbalah, and it is, of course, the most difficult thing it's, to understand it's Kabbalah. It's the thing you can't understand. <laughs> but the, but it's, some of the idea is that it is... It, it, the ten spheres represent different aspects of reality. Yeah. But the idea is that we are we all have the tree of life within our bodies. All forms have the tree of life within them. Yes. But they are just mirrors of the Godhead, which is the big mommy daddy tree of life in the formless void. Well, technically it came from the formless void, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so we all got the same set of plans in us. Yeah, you can uh, compare them to chakras. I just uh, feel bad for the author's wife. <laughs> Whoever this twelve eighty twelve eighty AD was a bad year for this chick. Yes. So the ten spheres represent, as as Henry said, different aspects of reality. And in order for one to reach oneness with God, which is the point of Kabbalah, that is the end game of Kabbalah, you have to rediscover each sphere from the bottom up, mm. starting with sphere number ten, Malkuth, which is the subconscious mind, up to the first sphere. Kether, which is eternal spiritual perfection, oneness with God. Got it? Got yeah, it. I yeah. guess. <laughs> I guess. You, you can't yeah. start building a building on the 20th floor. You got to start on the first. You're yes. getting it. Yeah. yeah. You're getting yes. it. You must start with Malkuth. That's right. Yes. All right. So that's the lobby. <laughs> I'm gonna get, by the end of this, I'm gonna be the smartest one in the room. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this all together. Yeah, exactly. Like it's it's really once it's put into simple terms, it's not. And you start building one upon the other, and you really start putting all of it together. Right. Then it does start to make sense. Well, uh, but yeah. it's just sl- it's just a big slog. It's just a huge slog to get through all of it, and a yeah. lot of uh, literally uh, resting my forehead on my desk and taking deep breaths. Take a bit of a break. It's that's like right. meditation, but riddled with stress. <laughs> yeah, I think that's called exhaustion. Yes. Yeah, mental exhaustion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the so these ten spheres that one must get through are divided into four worlds, right? And these are all four worlds of creative manifestation. It starts at the top with Atzeluth, which is the uh, archetypal war. Uh, archetypal? Archetypal. Archetypal? Archetypal, I think. If we can't say Once, archetypal, how are we getting through the Hebrew? <laughs> yeah. Go archetypal. Once again, archetypal, archetypal is like, it's one of those words, of course, people are going to fucking get me, get at me on this, but once again, never heard it said out loud. So <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to go with it. But it's, a, it's an important term in, in Western magic. Uh, that is the emergence of God's will. What that word means means uh in this context context an archetype it is an archetype is a recurring symbol it's something that we see over and over again in different forms like you know you can see uh apollo one of the old gods uh is superman you know you see these things uh you know joseph campbell talks about like the hero's journey which these are stories that come up again and again for example star wars is an example of the hero's journey and these are personalities and entities and images that have existed for all time there, there is no real beginning. Yeah. They are somehow hard, hardwired into the way we view all reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and maybe a part of that is that it's because we are a reflection of what Kabbalah is kind of saying is that they are like the blueprint. And it's like, imagine that they're like, uh, you, you remember transparencies where you, you it's like the tree of life is a transparency that you, you put up on a projector. The light literally is shooting that out to a projector screen. 
Yeah. And that projector screen is what reality is. Yeah. Also somewhat, uh, uh, you know, related to uh, Plato's shadow, uh, which we're definitely not going to get into I that. just don't understand any of this. <laughs> I mean, that's like, that's philosophy 101. But. I should have said this. You, I pray to fucking Satan that you're high. <laughs> yeah, I, I, was, yeah, I thought I forgot. for sure you were going to ask him to get stoned before this one. Yeah, this is definitely a getting stoned episode. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, if you haven't done it yet, please go ahead. And honestly, if you've never smoked weed before and you haven't smoked weed yet, this is what it feels like. <laughs> so you can pass a drug test and still get yeah. the high. And then it goes up to Bria, the world of creation, represents father and mother and birth. That gives rise to Yetzirah, which is the world of formation. That provides the foundation of the higher levels of the tree of life. Everything above the physical world, which is represented by Asaya, which is the final materialization of God's will, i.e. us. Asaya, uh, that is, we are the final manifestation of God's will. Man is the final manifest- manifestation of God's will. And our job, as far as Kabbalah goes, is to become one with God once more. Mm. See, the tree of life, it's, it goes both ways. God to man going down, and man to God going up. Why ain't there unicorns? <laughs> well, we'll get to that. <laughs> so, yeah, th- this whole thing, this is extremely simplified, right. uh, but the concept of accessing different spheres of consciousness and attaining a higher level level of spiritualism this is key to western magical traditions the right hand path the left hand path chaos magic all of it because this is active rather than passive it's doing something it's right it's not just waiting for something to happen to you it's not a passive state of worship it's not leaving things quote in god's hand but that's what they said that's very interesting in stealing fire from heaven in the very beginning they said the difference between religion and magic is that religion is subjecting yourself to god's will it's it is kneeling to god where magic is becoming god it is going and taking god to task yeah and now we're going to see the three tenets of all western magics we've got kabbalah and now it's sliding how kabbalah slides into her the hermetic view of life yes and the hermetic the hermetic tradition it's similar but still different from kabbalah and this is again it's what it is is it's a simplified version of it as time goes on magic is 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 extremely complicated and as time goes on it gets simpler and simpler Be- as we go because yeah. you're also going to learn that the the people like to keep things complicated at the very beginning in order to make it hard for you to learn what it is yeah they want it to be hard they want kabbalah to be super esoteric especially back in the day because you literally would have to be a torah like expert a scholar yeah you have to be a scholar to understand what they're even fucking talking about and so they keep their shit really elite like so, very elitist. Can hermetic magic exist without Kabbalah? Kabbalah had to come first, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. You're just defeated. So, well, actually, no. I watched a great documentary called "The Men Who Built the World," and it's all about you know the steel refineries and factory work and things like that. And you don't have Ford, for example, without uh, you know uh, uh, what is it? The guy with the st- Carnegie Steel. He can't. He doesn't make a car. You know, yeah. he can't. So everything comes together. So yeah. without the the lobby. People, Goes up to the gym floor. Goes right. up to the hot tub floor. <laughs> then you floor. skip right up to the yeah. 20th. Yes. Well, actually, I have to take that back a little bit. Uh, the hermetic tech, I forgot about this. Uh, hermetic magic, uh, the first, uh, I guess not necessarily the magic part, but hermetic uh, text, when it first starts talking about this stuff, can go back to the 3rd century BC. Uh, this goes back thousands of years. And the mm. central figure of all this is Hermes Trismesticus, a.k.a. The thrice greatest Hermes. I'm better than the other Hermes, and only you can see it's two times better. So, <laughs> that's right, but you can tell because of how gold my sandals are. 
I love gold sandals. <laughs> yeah. Hermes Trismesticus, he acts as a spiritual teacher. He's essentially a combination of Hermes and Tote. An Egyptian god. Uh, and that's another big thing, uh, especially once you get into Crowley later. Uh, the Egyptian gods really play into all this. The, the Egyptian gods were the blue point, blueprints for the Greek gods, and so it just keeps going back and back and back and back and back to Sumerian, to, to pre-recorded history and all that shit. Yeah, back when yeah, back mm-hmm. when people first got consciousness, when people first thought maybe something's maybe there's something different. Back when they were chiseling books. <laughs> yes, exactly. Gotta get that printing press. Cuneiform. Oh, yeah, yeah, when they were driving cars with their feet. <laughs> Ridiculous. You remember when they had pelican secretaries? <laughs> oh my goodness. Bad. That's the Flintstones. I, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, but that's isn't that just like a documentary? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Hermetic magic, it still has levels and spheres, but much more simple to understand. What it is, all things still come from God and are a part of a sacred universe, but it's divided into three different worlds rather than four uh, with five subsets in, in within them. It's like seven-minute abs instead of eight-minute abs. That's a perfect example. <laughs> I was thinking egg scrambled, scrambled eggs have gotten easier <laughs> to make over the years. What? You just you crack an egg, and then you put it into a little microwavable container, and then you got yourself. That is just that. It's just this, the loner's way of making eggs. Well, it's a lot of divorcees do it, so it's definitely tested. Three levels. Nature, then the stars, then the, uh, then the stars, spirits, and guardians, and then at the top level is Nous. Is it Nous? Nous? Or is it Nous? Uh, N-O-U-S. Nous? Nous? Ben, make a decision. Nous. <laughs> I must go Nous. <laughs> so, Nous is the world populated by angel- angelic spirits who had superior knowledge because they were closer to the Godhead. The Godhead is the sacred source of all creation. And to become one with the Godhead, you had to liberate yourself from the constrictions of temporal life, i.e. where we live right now, and enter the realm of pure and divine thought. So what you're saying is Nenis is badness. God, The Matrix was a hell of a <laughs> hell of a trilogy. The Matrix. Keanu oh, Reeves man. is coming back. Oh, I love that. That's great. Oh, it's not a good trilogy. The first movie's great. The other two are awful. Oh. John Wick. There's a film. Mm, love it. <laughs> so this is all achieved in the Hermetic tradition through high magic, aka, as I said earlier, shit nobody except rich dandies with all the time and resources resources in the world can do. And which brings us to the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dog. There's a third tenet to all this magic that we're not including me because it is also far too complicated literally again every one of these little topics we just brought up have maybe thousands of books written about that <laughs> so we are just doing a, this is a very just a news of it for you um, but the yeah. other thing that we not include was the tarot and the tarot uh, set of cards are, are that would be four then because I thought you were going to say Gnosticism <sighs> It's a lot there. Yes. <laughs> Tarot is the uh, s- series of, if you know, it's a, it's a card set that was basically made to be a game um, back in the French days. I forgot mm. what, some king made it a long time <laughs> ago. Um, it's got a, these major arcana and then, you know, the cups and the wands and the, and the pentacles and the, and, the, and the swords and shit. And so yes. the idea is that uh, those symbols are used in conjunction with the Kabbalah because the Kabbalah uses the uh, Jewish alphabet as a way of divining things. And it uses their letters and numbers 
as a way to, to sort of like represent things because the idea that we're going to go into is that names are very powerful. But the tarot, the numbers in the tarot can match up to the numbers of the, the Jewish alphabet and numerical system. And so they just apply them to each other all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's just, I'm just saying stuff. Right. <laughs> and, uh, but if you want to go back and listen to our psychic episode from way back in the day, our psychic journey, we had our tarot cards read and the woman who was a terrible mother... Um, because I saw her children all dirty there. Uh, She guaranteed my relationship would last. And it did not. not. Did not. You should have taken that warranty into the store. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go knock on her door and tell her she's my wife. I was told that someone I work with would one day betray me. Hmm. Who will it be? Hmm. You were worried about that. I was super worried about it. I got to, I got to, they were like, my life was going to be great. I was going to live to 87 and have three kids. And so far, on track. (laughs) Well, I'm happy to be without her. <laughs> yeah, I am. yeah. Happy to look at yeah, you. Yeah, you're oh, smiling. Oh my yeah. god. Oh my god. Yeah, things Those are, are just. Me. Yeah, things are great. They yeah. are very good, actually. Yeah. Good. So the <laughs> so the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn is our first foray into modern organizational magic. Just also, no, there are many other magical orders like the Hermetic go- the Age of the Golden Dawn or Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. There's many of them. We're mm-hmm. just uses the Big Daddy one. This is the New York Yankees <laughs> of okay. the magical orders. Yeah, there's a ton of them. Uh, and this is and remember that we're going on the right hand path here. So if you're starting to scream about other left-hand path things that came before uh, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. We're going to get to those on the next episode. So, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. They were primarily late 19th, early 20th century. Their three founding members, Samuel Liddell McGregor Mathers, Dr. William Wynne Westcott, and Dr. William Robert Woodman. You can smell the wedgie friction. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. No, these guys are, and it's very interesting because they, they're, what is, they took stuff from the Freemasons, right, in order to build the, the Golden Dawn. Yeah. But one thing that they opened up was that they allowed women into this group, which the, the Freemasons did not. And you'd be surprised, these guys were fucking these women. They were pretty hot. They were super hot. Sure. And they paid for everything. <laughs> the women the paid women for everything. The women huh? paid for everything. Isn't that something? Like they always do. <laughs> Something's at work here. So the first official document said that the purpose of the Golden Dawn was that it would be a secret society dedicated to the pursuit of occult sciences and, quote, the further investigation of the mysteries of life and death. Now, the key word here is investigation. They did not really believe in Because that's what Marcus and I were talking about. Like, so... Oh, God, it's just a big burp. What happens to you sometimes? <laughs> um, but Marcus and I were talking about how, like, you know, eventually, like, what did the Golden Dawn do? <laughs> like, what yeah. did they achieve? Now, was this all nude? Uh, no, 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 well, no, no, later not, on. Yeah, later, later on. Okay. The the reason, yeah, sex was not all that popular, which is why our man Alistair Crowley decided to get the fuck out of here on uh, the Golden Dawn. But we're gonna get to that later. Somebody liked to eat cum, <laughs> and that was Alistair Crowley. And it's like you know when you want to work something of like a bit in for years, you're like, oh, right. I got this fucking like Barbie bit that I want to put into my set, and yeah. I'll just kind of shoehorn or whatever. Alistair Crowley just like eating buckets of cum, <laughs> yeah, and so he decided to somehow get it into magic. 
Huh. Yeah. He combined all his hobbies. Yeah. <laughs> kind of rub it on the wall there, and you can lick it off. But, so this is the this is where we're going to see that the Golden Chief. We're going to. This is where we're going to see that the Golden Dawn is immediately full of shit. Yeah. Now what they said in their opening doctrine is that to learn the things that they, they, they we're going to go through to investigate the mysteries of life and death, they had to be granted permission by these quote unquote secret chiefs who were essentially these mysterious guys in charge, and they provided spiritual authority to the Golden Dawn, and they they permitted both the male and female members. But yeah. for some reason, they only spoke to Samuel Liddell McGregor Mathers, <laughs> and he's the only one who could understand them, and uh, they never could really identify who the secret chiefs are, mm-hmm. and they seem to change all the time. Shades a- of Mormonism here. I feel like the secret chief is just the landlord. <laughs> Yes, in my life it is. (laughs) So members, they were required to believe in one God, Uh quote unquote, one God, capital O, capital G, one God. And that's the other thing that these people are fond of is capitalizing random letters. Like, for example, when they said the further investigation of the mysteries of life and death, M, uh, mysteries, life and death were all capitalized. Like Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Emphasis. Uh, This grounded them in monotheism, particularly Christianity. They said, quote... The candidate, if not a Christian, should at least be prepared to take an interest in Christianity. <laughs> All right, yes. take an interest in it. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, you know. So it's like if you're not if you're not a Christian, hey, uh, well, look be a Christian. The, <laughs> look at the book. Look at the book. <laughs> yeah, it's their way of saying like, yeah, we'll let in Jews. Sorta. <laughs> you just have to take an interest in it. But the only thing that they did not want in was mesmerists or spiritualists. People that were, which at the time was huge. Yes. Uh, spiritualist was a, being a spiritualist was a gigantic thing. This was talking to the other side. They wanted no David Blaines. Yes, no David Blaines. No Harry Houdinis. Yeah. The idea is because they knew most of them were full of shit, but they were not interested in ghosts. The idea was they believed that magic was more concrete than that. That that's where they say life and death. Is that it's not like there's some spiritual realm. It's what's going on here right now is that mm-hmm. there is an extra layer to reality mm-hmm. and it's it's real it's not just like talking to your mammy yeah. and she's going to tell you where your pocket watch is oh, they're taking <laughs> all the fun out of it it's like when you see a family and they're all dead and nobody knows why and then but somebody walks in and they're like it was definitely a ghost and another person says carbon monoxide yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, like when they, they, you know, it's, a, it's a ghost let's not bring carbon monoxide into it like when they blur out the titties and red shoe diaries oh, when they please. show it late night on USA get out of here <laughs> Yes, that that the reason why they didn't want these people in is because they w- didn't want them to quote habitually allow themselves to fall into a completely passive condition of will end quote uh, because that's central to magic twentieth century Western magic the concept of will and they considered spiritualists to be uh, passive receptors of will waiting for people to come to them mm. and the one thing I will say about white people is that we are full of active will your yeah. grandfather knows <laughs> I just feel like we didn't spend enough time working and then. Our brains went like way haywire. <laughs> we are supervisors. Oh, is that it? <laughs> some might say that we're very big into the concept of the triumph of the will. Yeah, mm. yeah. And some people, you would even say like you had a job. Like think about your what your great 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 grandfather's job was. He was an overseer. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
So, since, as Henry mentioned earlier, two of the founders of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn were former Freemasons, this still rooted uh, the Golden Dawn in the concept of degrees for its members. And this is where the Tree of Life, Kabbalah, comes in. They uh, aligned the members, or they aligned their degrees with members of the Sephiroth, the levels of mystical consciousness, because what this was all about it was about becoming one with the godhead it was about becoming one with uh the secret consciousness of the universe pretty much and the, but they legitimately stole a whole structure from freemasons because it was cool to them they literally because <laughs> right. the idea is that freemasons a quick primer the pre, free, freemasons that the idea is that it started from the the guys who built the or they say the guys who built the the, the uh, temple of solomon and that how you became like an upper level mason the only the, the, like basically when you got approved to go to the next level you'd be taught a secret handshake by mm. that guy and that way that's the only way you knew that someone actually was good is because they could do the secret handshake to be like I'm an expert mason and these guys just like secret handshake. Right. <laughs> so it's not so nefarious. It's just people wanted to have a good time with each other. They're just trying to make right. a fun private club. Yeah. And they're, but that's the way it always starts. And then Mathers takes it a bit too seriously. Mm. And we're going to learn here is that he did create these five orders and then added a new section mm-hmm. as soon as it was convenient for him. Yeah. The five grades started at neophyte, which Henry mentioned that term earlier. That means merely someone who's just shown an interest. They're someone who's a neophyte contacted someone from the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn and said, hey, this sounds cool, can I learn more? Mm. And they say that the neophyte is the most important order because it shows that you're opening your mind to the idea of magic. Exactly. And then for those who wanted to get serious with it, it went Zelator, Theoricus, Practicus, and Philosophus. Oh. And which is interesting is that, so those were the original five, and then out of nowhere, Mathers was like, the secret chiefs have told me that there's a second, second order that you have to go to before you get to the super secret third order. And the only way to get to the second order is my approval. And the secret chief said this, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, you also, I mean, with the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, it, it's, uh, it's very close to, you know, it's like got shades of Mormonism, shades it's of Scientology. Scientology. Yeah, there's a Xenu uh, coming up here at some point, right? <laughs> so each each member, oh, and by the way, every level came with a ritual that was essentially just an oral test to prove that you knew your shit. You had to do this ritual, and you just had to recite the names. You had to recite uh, all these different spells, and it was just to prove to everyone else that, hey, I'm cool. Also, you had to be able to make a wizard blow his load in 30 (laughs) seconds. Oh, wow. I mean, Aleister Crowley technically made that up. Yeah. (laughs) When he got in there. That's tough to do. So each member had a magical name. Just Aleister Crowley snarling at your dick, just being like, (laughs) I will force it to obey. Shoot your elixir of life deep into the trough of my gullet. Alistair, this has been great. Listen, I'm just having a hard time orgasming because you just keep gnashing the head of my dick with your teeth. <laughs> ah, Not good. <laughs> so each member of the Golden Dawn all had a magical name. And in keeping with degrees, you could only know the magical names of those who were in your level or a level below you. Because if you have the name of someone, you have power over them. Mm. Yes, exactly. So you want, only wanted people that you trusted, people that you thought were groovy, to be uh, to know your magical name. Right. So, for example, here are some of the magical names of the founders and what I could come closest to translating them as. Correct. Because they're all in Latin. 
Now, Mather's, Mather, again, is the leader of this whole thing, and he's the super nerd. Yeah, 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 he's the super nerd. His name, he had a couple of different names. He was first known as, and again, pronunciation, I've never heard anyone speak Latin before, so I'm just going to wing it. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. <laughs> Don't worry, but I got it. Deo Duce Comite Ferro, which I mm-hmm. think, from what I could figure out, I spent a little bit of time on the Latin here, yeah. I think it means... God guiding with iron. All of these are very good World of Warcraft games. <laughs> very good. Yeah. And Marcus, you are correct. Thank you, Ben. Yep, not a problem. He was later named, and this is, and for some reason, he also changed, he's the only one who doesn't have a Latin name. He later changed it to a Gaelic name, Reagalmadraim. Uh, I don't know how you pronounce anything in Gaelic. Yeah, Reagalmadraim. You're just saying, yeah. You're just saying it's kind of <laughs> Asian there. Surreal Modream. Surreal Modream. Surreal Modream. Yeah. Like Gail? Gail Modream? That's correct. You know Gail like, Modream? I love Gail Modream. <laughs> you guys just sound like tourists to ancient <laughs> Druid Scotland. Oh, where it's yeah. just, you guys just show up with like Hawaiian shirts on and be like, so which one of y'all's the, the, the Father Thomas? <laughs> and uh, which way's the Burger King? <laughs> well, it is the motto of the Scottish clan Gregor. Which that is his. That's one of his names. Is McGregor. That means royal is my race. Nazi like. <laughs> Interesting. Westcott, uh, another one of the founders. His first name was Non Omnis Moriar, which meant calm before the storm. Which is also this. I got this <sighs> new Old Spice. You know, you see the new Old Spice things <laughs> yeah. that came out and the the white things. Uh-huh. I'm using calm before the storm, and it's really piquant. There's a. <laughs> why would you use that? Because you want a woman to f- feel like it's a, it's calm before the storm of your lovemaking inside of her loins. Mm, Cause that's what I call it when I'm about to when I'm about to make love. I go storms coming. I can feel it in my knee. You know, and then she no subjects think herself to my will. No, she doesn't. <laughs> So after that, he named himself. I think the storm is coming because you're on your knees begging her to have sex with you. And it's not a st- it's arthritis. The storm has to come. Because oh what happens if the storm doesn't come? So after calm before the storm, he named himself Sepere Aude, or Aude, Sepere Aude, which meant dare to be wise <laughs> just just dare to do it if you can handle it so they i don't they they, they give themselves the nickname yes aren't yeah. you supposed to do something and then get a nickname no 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 because then all their names would be like funny hat and like <laughs> yeah. guy who smells his fingers before doing the ritual right. and the guy who wears brown shoes can i be load ass no I, no no. no, no, no! I got a name for you. I am Serpent of the Come Lords. <laughs> oh, that's all a right, good one. Alistair. But maybe change it. Maybe it just changes so we can tell everybody what it is. <laughs> the third founder, Woodman, he had the first had the name Magna Est Veritas et Prevalibit, which meant truth is mighty. It means um, truth is mighty and will prevail. <laughs> also. Big gulps are two ninety nine. <laughs> yeah, they had women there, huh? They yeah, were they chicks all, hanging out with these dudes. Women, yeah, women, huh. cute women. One of them well, had a bird hat. Bird hat. Yeah, it was a pretty cool bird hat. I'm not though. saying they're altogether sane. No, no, yeah, <laughs> but they were there. I would say they are altogether bored. Yes, I would agree with that. Yeah. The other name that Woodman had was Vincent Omnia Veritas, which means 
truth conquers all. Which is pretty much the same thing, but just is sounds a little cooler. It's a, yeah. what you do with jokes all the time. You got to take out all the non-essential words. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. right. Yeah, That's yeah. Right. Guess what? I made us Golden Dawn names. He did. Cool. I did. I worked really hard on these. Too hard. <laughs> <laughs> Some might say I, quote unquote, wasted an afternoon. <laughs> well, no, that would be wrong. No, there's no waste in the afternoon when you're looking up Golden Dawn names for your friends. That's that's exciting. That's creating bonds that will last our future when we're all living in houses next to each other with our families and our kids are all dressed up with little like pharaoh hats on and yeah. we're doing barbecues next to the pool. Kind of fun. Good barbecues. All the best. You're going to be the best barbecues. Yeah. We'd have to eat a lot of cum, though. Mm. <laughs> Not in front of the children. So let's start with mine. Mine that I gave myself. Canis Kibum Ex Luto. That means dog meat of the dirt. Yeah. Rock and roll. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Henry, I gave you the name Duobus Igitor Existentibus De Quaor Vobus, which means too real for you. Yeah. This is what I'm saying, yeah. man. The number I, two, I, the number four. Hell nice. yeah, dude. I'm going to cool. be telling everybody. I'm <laughs> changing my rep in Brooklyn. Oh, I think there's a knock on the door. Oh, oh, it's all these hot babes. Whoa. <laughs> so awesome. Woo, let's go to the pool. Ben, I did you special. Thank you. I gave, I'm gave. i going to give you three names to choose from. Whoa. You can choose from one of three names. All right. The first one is... Calidum Effersio, which translates to hot stuff. Hot stuff. Okay, hot, hot, stuff. stuff. hot stuff. The second one is Pedus Eus Domos, meaning his feet are houses. <laughs> I choose that one. Ooh, I do like that one. <laughs> the third one is Quodam Vero Bonum Tempus, which loosely translates to kind of fun. Kind of fun. Kind of fun. <laughs> huh. I gotta go middle. I gotta yeah. go my feeder house. You I definitely. <laughs> Pedes Elias. Pedes Elias Domos. Can you say it even? Can you even say that? What? What is it again? Pedes Eus Domos. Yeah, yeah. You just. You just <laughs> I can say it. Pedos Elimus. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Say it again. I don't know. At some point, I think I'm just gonna be. You know, feel like I'm ordering. From an Indian restaurant or something. I, I don't <laughs> know what's happening. I want to say mine. Duobus igitar existentibus de quaor vobis. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Did I, I just make just, all the women orgasm? Yeah. yeah. Canis kibum ex luto. <laughs> and Marcus made them all leave. Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry. No one likes ex luto. <laughs> just dog meat, dog meat in the dirt or whatever. <laughs> Now, what is, the, the dirt. what is the purpose of these magical names, Marcus? Well, why don't we let trance magician Dion Fortune tell us? In my own experience of the operation, the utterance to myself of my magical name led to the picturing of myself in an idealized form, not differing in type, but upon an altogether grander scale, superhuman in fact, but recognizable as myself, as a statue more than life-size, may yet be a good likeness. I could not identify myself with it unless I uttered my magical name. That's very cool. <laughs> I guess you could say that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's cool. For Okay, so let's give some examples on that. For example, Alistair Crowley's Golden Dawn magical name, Perdurabo, or I will endure to the end. Which means he must be blown for three hours. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, the fur name, full name was Frater Perdurabo, uh, which literally translates to brother of time. 
which means he has the coolest Golden Dawn name. I mean, Aleister Crowley did it all much better than all of the rest of them. He was the only one who was like the real deal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was actually doing shit. Like, he was all about, like, let's fuck all this. Let's actually do something. Personally, I actually do have in, you know, my own studies, I do actually have a, a, a real magical name that I came upon through automatic writing. Uh, but some people, including myself, uh, believe that a true magical name, uh, keep it a secret. Don't tell anyone. Yeah, because then they have power over you. Yeah. So what's yours, Marcus? Secret. So close, though. He almost broke. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Trickery. Yeah. yeah. And, it's, I, and I got it through automatic writing, which we'll talk about uh, on a later episode. It's just essentially writing nonsense until something finally jumps out at you. It, it's accessing mm. your subconscious uh, and kind of going into a trance mode until something comes out that speaks to you, that you feel like you've accessed something. It's single man behavior. <laughs> Very cool. I did do it when I was... Very single. All right. What's your secret name, Marcus? Not going to tell you. Oh, Mm, so close. (laughs) We'll try one more time later on. So as I understand it, and this is something that that got a little muddy for me, these magical names are labels that one uses to identify the quote-unquote body of light or magical double, as Michael Aquino of the Temple of Set put it, the one accesses through trance meditation techniques, which... Meditation techniques, way too complicated for us to go into here. Way too boring for us to go into here. It's a great thing to study, but not necessarily something to hear someone talk about. Mm-hmm. But if you would like to know more about trance meditation techniques, you can go and check out the Golden Dawn trance meditation document, Flying Roll 25. Ooh. Now, what is interesting is, uh, which a Flying Roll 25 also sounds like a Burrito Brothers like album. <laughs> yeah, or um, a good sushi roll. Yes, but... We're talking about, if, if we want to equate it to something, as avatars in a video game. The, the idea, again, is that you project yourself out into the hologram and you use that symbolism as a, as a thing to hold on to, which is what all of this is about. It's creating a vocabulary to manipulate reality with. And so you do, you, you visualize yourself as separate from yourself in a manipulatable reality and then you can do it. Like the character from NBC's show Heroes, Heroes when Reborn. she goes into the video games. Thursdays at 8 p.m. on <laughs> NBC. We need those live viewers. So watch it tonight. <laughs> so not Hulu? I mean, it'd be great if you could just watch it on the, watch <laughs> it on the TV, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so... As we said, the Golden Dawn based their degrees on the Tree of Life, which meant by means of visualization and ceremonial magic, the magician had to feel that he or she was fully engaging with each sphere of consciousness on the way up. Now, the props for these rituals... Props are very big. Props are huge. Each one of these magicians was a regular carrot top. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You had to have your props in order to really focus your energy in creating the... uh, uh, The potent magic ritual. (laughs) So these were all charted upon the tree of consciousness, or the tree of of life. Uh, So these included various... Precious stones, perfumes, minerals, and sacred plants. Each one was assigned to a specific god or goddess. Now, you, and these were known as magical correspondences. And you know these magical correspondences, it's sort of like there's a really interesting book called The Cosmic Serpent that's about the, these um, Amazonian tribes people. The way that they found out that uh, 
certain plants did medicinal things is that they would eat magic mushrooms and then they said they would tell scientists they came down and they're like well how did you figure out that this cured like the psoriasis and this to this and they're like well we take the magic and then the, the plants tell us and they, they we see their DNA essentially they, mm-hmm. they called it the cosmic serpent this is how they do this right so yes you could say that the perfumes and the stones and the colors were all assigned completely randomly by Mathers who's a super nerd who's just got like plenty of times to build a big fucking D&D like campaign for you (laughs) at the Golden Dawn but what they say is that using the trance meditation these looking at symbols of the tarot in combination with the spheres of the uh, tree of life that they told them these things. They told them that these perfumes worked and that these stones worked and that these colors correspond. That's just what they saw. So it was all built mm-hmm. upon the upon these meditation like trance sessions. They were tripping nuts though. Keep no, that in mind. They were not. They, they were, were totally not, sober. But the, they the were native people sober. were tripping nuts. Yes, the native people yeah. were yeah, they were having a great time. So this entire <laughs> thing is based off a of mushroom logic? No, it was sort of, <laughs> but these were white people. You know how like What's the difference, Henry? This is the thing, right? People, other cultures have a good time. White people do everything so serious they trip oh. balls. You know what I mean? Where it's like the I Nazis. See. The Nazis were so serious they believed that they found like when they when they found uh, what was the name of the the spiritual elixir? Um, Vril. Vril. Yeah. That's that's just being so serious. Yeah. <laughs> You're tripping nuts. Oh, I see. It makes you highly just unrelatable <laughs> and very difficult to negotiate with. Yeah, that's true. And sometimes horribly violent. And very cruel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not a good way to do things. So as far as the gods went with the Golden Dawn, they used these gods to represent certain psychological aspects. What they did was identify themselves and their inner being with whatever god or goddess corresponded with what they were searching for because they thought that ritual... Through this, they could discover their true inner potential by ruling and controlling the gods Mm. for their own purposes rather than the other way around. Active will versus passive will, once again. It's like I associate myself with LeBron James. You do? (laughs) Yes. In what way? Tenacious, tall, and dark. (laughs) But, all right. (laughs) So these people, they believe that they could use the power of the gods to assist them in their journey into either the subconscious and or the mystic imagination, which is the spirit realm. Yeah. Yeah, to go out, talk to gods, talk to other spirits. And you could say mystic imagination means that they're making it all up. Yeah, I mean, but... But they're not. not. <laughs> no, mystic imagination is a good name for a school bus. <laughs> if I was a bus driver, I'd say, come on, jump in the mystic imagination, I kids. just feel like I wouldn't make it to school if I was driving a bus called the mystic imagination, because <laughs> the whole time it'd be like, man, this whole thing's a fucking trap, man. This whole thing is all... <laughs> Yo, we're going to Six Flags! <laughs> People think the teachers teach. The bus driver teaches life. <laughs> So let's get into what these rituals actually entail. Now, ritual magic is meant to stimulate all the five senses. First of all, sight. You gotta look the part. I mean, if you want to mm. simplify it, if you want to invoke Superman, wear a fucking cape. Mm. 
The second is sound. This is where sacred god names, chants, and invocations come in. Certain names have certain vibrations that access certain parts of our subconsciousness, or if you're going full on with it, access certain gods. As we'll see with the the interview we do in just a little bit, we're going to go into that just Mm. a little bit more. Taste... This is why where you have the sacrament, uh, where you've got to have something that connects you um, and to a certain god. For example, that's why Crowley used so much cum. That's a problem is that in these rituals when yeah. you're tasting it, it can't be like when you quickly swallow the cum. You have to, you have to truly, and it's literally, if you read the sex manuals and what they talk about is that you're supposed to absorb the cum through your upper palate of your mouth. Mm-hmm. So you're not even supposed huh. to swallow it. It's supposed to just sit and dissolve in there. Kind of get in there like a like one of those Listerine uh, breath strips. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But now you're, you're just now you're cooking with fire. Now instead I'm of smelling like, like mint, you smell like sour cum like, all the time. <laughs> well, yeah, like sour cum. <laughs> Next up is smell. That's incense, <laughs> perfumes that correspond to your deity, which are all clearly laid out in the hermetic chart of magical correspondences. They figured all this stuff out beforehand, so you're not just stabbing in the dark here. And then, of course, touch. It's heightening your tactile awareness through trance meditation uh, and various other techniques. Yes, and you do that, yeah. and the idea is to completely absorb yourself into the ritual to truly, because we, we, we will talk about all the time with magic, is that it mostly starts with self-hypnosis. You have to believe it's real and believe that you're actually manipulating reality, and so what's, what they do is they build a full surround sound fucking system of magic stuff so they don't even think of the outside world. Right. Yeah. Sort of like one of those chambers, right? Like a sensory deprivation yeah, chamber. Sensory That's deprivation. how I keep my girlfriend. <laughs> just you fucking, just keep her in one of those? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I just, I only feed her. <laughs> so the symbols of ritual magic, one of the most widely recognized symbols uh, is the sacred circle. Uh, the sacred circle, you see it every time you see a movie or a TV show or a comic book of somebody doing any sort of magical ritual, you always see the circle. This is where the magician performs invocations and incantations. The reason why the circle is important is because it's a symbol of containment and oneness. It represents the Godhead and the sacred source of self-knowledge that the magician seeks to access. You really got to be a designer with all this. What is a circle? But I mean, you got to paint it out. You got to make it look cool. Yeah, you got to make it look cool. Everything's got to look cool. Yeah, here's how you make it look cool. You inscribe the sacred names of the gods or god that you hope to invoke. For example, uh, sacred names, if you want to know where the sacred name is, uh, an example of the Judeo-Christian God, uh, the sacred names there would be Yahweh, Jehovah. Or the secret Jewish name of God that no one's allowed to say. Exactly. And you also have to inscribe what you hope to accomplish with the ritual. Uh, And from a practical perspective, this is when we're getting practical with it, you got to make sure that the circle is large enough for both you and your group of magicians to move around freely with them. Also know you're going to be swinging around a sword. Big sword. Which is really true, and you're going to need to be there for a while, so... Bring snacks. Bring <laughs> snacks. Practice maybe with fake swords. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't have to, but the thing is, the more real it could be, because then they're like, ah, but it's truly dangerous. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm just saying for the first go around, make sure the circle's big enough. Yeah, definitely make yeah. sure the circle's big enough. Air on the side of the circle being too big. <laughs> well, no, too small and make it bigger. No, 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 no. Start as big as you can get it. Yeah. Whittle it down. Whittle it down. Use oh. the engineer's creed. Something is not done when there is nothing left to add, but when there is nothing left to take away. 
Well, I just busted your union and you're fired, engineer. Hey, um, <laughs> so I don't give a shit about your creed. Yeah, whatever, Scott Walker. <laughs> Dog me, what's your magic name? Not gonna say. So close. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not even going to tell you a single letter that's in it. We will find I it bet out. the letter N is in it. Am I right? Ooh. I don't know. <laughs> we'll figure it out. You might, it might be. Might not be. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> of course, the, the circle is not the only shape that you can use. There's also the triangle. For while the circle is used to invoke higher spirits mm-hmm. like gods, goddesses, archangels, the triangle is used to evoke lesser and sometimes evil spirits through spells or words of power. like Nesach! Uh, Chokmad! And Gubara! Yeah, those are Kabbalistic names of power. Cool. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's when you're trying to summon uh, a demon. Say you're trying to summon Beelzebub to sure. fuck somebody up. But the idea of what we talk about with uh, necromancy is the idea that you would get, you would call a demon up and you'd trap him. Yeah. And then you'd ask him for something like, I want Wheaties to be darker. <laughs> yeah. I want, oh, I hope that there's no. the Chalupa comes back. Oh, no, you don't Chalupa ask. Chalupa didn't go nowhere. What? The Chalupa's been around. <laughs> you don't ask, you tell. In fact, that's oh. the difference. Uh, you evoke uh, evil spirits. You evoke the lesser demons. You invoke the higher spirits. It's the difference between asking and telling. You ask a god. You tell a demon. Oh, but the demon is so busy. You can't put that <laughs> pussy up on a pedestal. That's what I know. That's what I say. <laughs> Why do demons have it rough? What well, if they've really because, done it? What have they done to anybody? Well, they mostly, um, I mean, the big thing is that Six million Jews are dead. That's not the <laughs> demons! Henry, this is not about... Jesus Christ. It starts from somewhere. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, what... You're evoking the lesser spirit That's you're restraining it and using it for your own purpose. You know half the time Dick Cheney shows up in that circle, too, and he's <laughs> yeah. just like, yeah, yeah. So, uh, he's like, tell me, you guys, uh, you like bugles? I like the flavorless bugles. Whatever's sharp and hurts to eat and tastes like cardboard. And I would believe his breath probably smells like sour cum. <laughs> so... Golden Dawn magicians, they believed that if you weren't careful with the triangle, with the lesser spirits, they could possess you. What they thought is that you would summon the higher gods, you could ask them, hey, I need this, please do this for me, and they could choose whether to do it or not, but the lesser spirits... You had power over mm. that, like you had ultimate power over them. You would not let them go unless you chose to let them go. While the gods could leave at any time. Well, they're gods. Yeah, they're yeah. gods. Exactly. Again, like the New York Yankees, Joe Chamberlain can come into your bar and sexually molest as many waitresses as he likes because he's a New York Yankee. You are referencing a five-year-old player, and you only know that because he did that at the Village Poorhouse, <laughs> what our friend was working with. So while the Golden Dawn considered the triangle and the uh, evoking of spirits, uh, they tended to stay away from it. They considered it to be low magic. The one who reveled in it and just loved it and believed it to be what one should do with magic. A former member who broke off, did his own thing, Aleister Crowley, Uh-oh. who we will discuss at length in the next episode, The Left Hand Path. Yeah. Oh, so great. 
Yeah. We covered a lot of stuff. Yeah. Woo, yeah. Right. So we got uh, we got Kabbalah. We got uh, Hermetic. Uh, what? The Hermetic Order hermetic of the Golden Order Dawn. Order of the yeah. Golden Dawn. We got a whole bunch of Chalupa talk. <laughs> yeah. We got this going on, man. Halloween's almost here, man. Yes. Halloween's almost here. That's what we're that's what we're doing, man. Uh, we're gonna be coming back with Left Hand Magic here real soon. We're gonna be doing a special one next week, and yeah. we're also doing something real special coming up for episode two hundred. Yeah, you're gonna like it, and if you don't, you can go fuck yourself. Well, Please. you know, whatever. <laughs> podcast, you can always turn it off. But uh, we're going to do an interview, aren't we? Yeah, we're going to do an interview right now. Uh, we, uh, Our very own chaos magician, Ragnar, yeah, is we're, going to uh, field some listener questions and also explain the ups and downs of using magic to get that bush. And yeah. he's Icelandic. His accent leads you to believe he's telling the truth, and I'm going to stand by that. Yeah. I mean, and this is what we're we're talking about. We're co- we're going to be covering chaos magic at length in a later episode. But this is to give you, after us talking about all of this goofy bullshit, this is to kind of give you uh, an insight into how this can actually work. Let magic do the work for you. Right. <laughs> but yes, let us re- listen to uh, our interview uh, with Ragnar. Do I hear the pitter? Do I hear the pitter patter of the tiny feet of a wizard? Uh oh! It's a wizard. Ragnar is with us. Thanks so much for being here, Ragnar. This is the show within the show. Kind of excited. Thank you for having me. He's staring at me, right? As he's staring at me. I'm getting hard. Mm. <laughs> is this magic, Ragnar, or am I, uh, am I changing as a man? Ooh, I'm giving you that penis magic. Whoa! <laughs> Wizards! I, well, as an eyewitness, I will say it is working. Oh, my <laughs> goodness, Henry. Rock hard. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I got a stubs. Mm-hmm. Um, I, good. Ragnar, we've actually mentioned you on the show quite a bit uh, with your experiences with hermetic magic and sort of how you put it together in your own chaos fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're very excited. M- M- I think my first question would be: Is what got you started? Okay, um, I guess if you go all the way back, it was that my father introduced me to Norse mythology really early, and I was into that. And I would read any folklore I could get my hands on. And um, and then you know I went through a little teen phase where I had a little altar on my uh, CD player and hmm. whatever. And you know I'd be getting all dark and. And, you know, that was all for show. And then that all started to seem very silly. And a few years passed, and I, I think... I want to say that is a different teenage phase than most people go through. <laughs> I was really I into that uh, John Belushi scene where he flew into the sorority house and the woman was topless there, and I paused that a lot. So I listened to a lot of corn. Yeah. 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 yeah, I wore a Texas Chainsaw Massacre shirt and listened to a lot of Marilyn Manson and then was right. just like, you don't get me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was thinking Kid Rock was a pretty cool guy. Yeah, my first concert, Kid Rock. Yeah. But then Ragnar, he had an altar. <laughs> yeah, so kind of a different teenage experience, different kind of rebellion. You all had it. You just don't want to admit to it. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, a few years passed. And then I guess it's probably Grant Morrison and Alan Moore who... As crazy as it seems, I mean, these two comic book authors are probably most people's entryway into magic these mm. days. It's true. It's got. It's what got me into it. It's got what what got Marcus into it. Absolutely, Grant Morrison specifically. And why was that? 
Why, was there a comic book specifically that they had created? Yeah, The Invisibles. Oh, okay. Without a doubt, yeah. And it wasn't actually until I, I read The Invisibles and loved it and really dug like the message behind it, but it wasn't until I became friends with Ragnar uh, when Ragnar really explains like, oh, wait, there's a whole different layer to this comic book besides just super cool revolution. Oh. I think a lot of people, like, you know, we're, we're approaching it from that way. And he's been really open about it in interviews and discussing that. And I had the uh, fortune of meeting him back when I was, what, like 19, something like that. And that really, like, set things going. I managed to have a beer with the guy and listen to him speak a little bit. Lovely guy, by the way. Like, really nice to be in a room with him. But um, Does he wear, like, a cone hat? <laughs> like, <laughs> outside? or That's actually a really good point, because that was one of the things, like I said, like, I, I dabbled in it, like, when I was a teenager and didn't know anything about it, and then it was all for show. And then you saw this guy, and he's just wearing, like, a black Armani suit, and he's talking about doing, like, a magical performance for corporations, teaching them to use logos logos to, to influence people. Oh. He's, he's talking about it all, all in those terms, and it's as sinister as it sounded. It's still, like... You know, you don't have to wear anything. You can just wear whatever you're comfortable in, and you can use it in any aspect of life. So that kind mm-hmm. of showed me that it could, you know, could fit into anybody's life. And that was right around the time that BP, British Petroleum, changed their logo <laughs> to the BP that we know now, and then remember that oil spill. So uh, maybe he didn't do the magic right. I just think it was great that they allowed pelicans to mm. be so slippery. Yeah, it's a fun <laughs> it's kind of fun. a... Yeah. It's fun. It's like lube. What happened to the water? Oh, it's just nothing but a duck slip and slide now. <laughs> But yeah, so basically shortly after that, I started doing my own rituals and started working along. It's all along chaos magic. So chaos magic is, it incorporates a lot of different disciplines and whatever kind of you feel works. And in my case, I use some shamanism. I use some of the Norse mythology that had informed me when I was younger and obviously Gnosticism and some of this other stuff that is, you know, pops up frequently in Chaos Magic. Because really what it's about is, uh, tell me if you agree, what we were talking about on the show is that it's about self-hypnotism and whatever it else you can do. It's like you first have to create your own reality. You have to change your perspective so concretely that you can then manipulate reality. Like you do a thing where you're, you're essentially like, and so you have to build your magical beliefs out of things you actually believe in or mm-hmm. could believe in so that you can infuse it with meaning and then use it in your own life, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And that's like the example that he, and I think Peter Carroll used as well, is that you you can have guardian angels to create your protective circle with, or you can just use the JLA if that works for you. Whatever symbols work as a protective thing for you, based on how you were raised and your belief system, make it work. So like a Pillsbury Doughboy. Yeah, four of those protecting you. Yes, <laughs> would love that. <laughs> Never mess with my Pillberry Doughboy. Just yeah. absorbing all the cream cheese mm. that flies all your way, <laughs> making delicious little hors d'oeuvre men. Yes. For example, Ben, probably one of the big ones in your pantheon would be Papa John. Papa John himself <laughs> and his Camaro. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> but yeah, the point is that you can use anything that you want. That it's, the whole thing is, is it's very open. Did you have any formal schooling at all? Did you did, Have you ever spoken with anybody from the Golden Dawn or the OTO or any of those things that still sort of exist? Or the Temple of Set, which took all the fun out of Satanism? Mm. Well, I went to the Icelandic Hogwarts, of course. Like, uh, <laughs> yes, yes, my, yes. Yeah. But it's just like eating rotten, rotten shark and blowing the instructors. <laughs> yeah. York was my instructor. It was great. Oh. Uh, yeah, you did a quick internship with the Hildefuk. Yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah does, does something like that, like the Icelandic mythology, did that work into it at all? Because um, we've discussed the Hildefuk many a time here on the show. 
it would have been mostly Odin because Odin to me is and not just to me he is he's a shamanic feature uh, creature what is it I'm trying to say what am I trying to say figure figure there we go um, because um, yeah you know there's no real parallel between uh, the Norse mythology and something like you know Hermeticism or, or what have you but there is this figure who in Iceland at that time and in the Nordic countries at that time only women would do seidur. They would they were the only ones who would do magic and it was considered homosexual to be a man doing magic you would not do that unless you were actively a homosexual mm. so for the main figure the linchpin in the entire mythology to be actively doing magic was a really strange thing and there have been a lot of essays written about this what that means like what, what kind of figure he was then but here's a man who sacrificed his eye for knowledge, who hung himself upside down from the gallows to seek knowledge. He was putting himself through all these trials. So he's a shamanic figure. And I think there is a version of Norse mythology that precedes the one that we know today, where he is more like something you would see in the Amazon rainforest rather than this uh, Hellenistic influence that came into it later. Yeah, well, I mean, isn't there a lot about Norse mythology that was lost throughout the years when oh. the Christians came in and, of course, buried all of the uh, people up to their necks and said, "Either you can either be Christians or you can be dead." Ooh. Well, I mean, the all the, the only sources we have are Christian writers writing long after the fact. But actually, the the trans uh, the transformation between the two uh, into Christianity, the Reformation, what have you, that was actually pretty peaceful. What they did was they negotiated kind of a truce where they did, yeah, you can still practice your own beliefs. Just, you know, keep it on the down low. You can eat your horse, even though the Bible says no. Just go into your horse-eating shed and you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah. Right, just right. Don't, I, we just don't want to see it. Right. <laughs> the Pope is all the way in Italy. You're fine. Oh, so yeah. it was don't ask, don't tell? Oh, yeah, big time. Yeah. So yeah. when did you get fully into magical research? Like When that started, like... Did it, we've been talking about it as like this sort of solitary experience where you kind of have to go away and kind of meditate and figure it out for yourself did you have that period or was it a lot more casual well definitely meditation is the basis for anything like meditation and keeping a magical diary and these kind of things putting yourself in the mindset like you were saying before what do you put in your magical diary um okay so the the dis- the distinction between schizophrenia and magical thinking is, is a really thin line. Basically, you're over-interpreting everything. You're looking into everything as it is a symbol or some sort of message from outside of yourself. Or what it is probably is your subconscious. You're having a dialogue with your subconscious. So you, you're kind of you're logging anything that you think of as, as uh, is of importance. It could be dreams. It could be anything that happened to you during the day, patterns that you're noticing. Like I say, you do too much of that, you're just slipping into full-on acid, burnout, schizophrenia. Yeah. I mean, what I do personally with my uh, magical journal is that it's uh, things that I come across w- while meditating. Mm-hmm. Like letting, letting my mind essentially wander to wherever it wants to go, uh, whoever it happens to speak to, uh, while just kind of letting everything uh, be explorative. And then once I'm done, once I snap out of it, or really once it's I've come across something that I believe is important, uh, that's when I'll stop and write everything down. So it'll go from like, I met a magic pegasus who wished me to the land of money today, and to like, maybe I should start wearing sports jerseys. Yeah. <laughs> like kind of thing. <laughs> no, it's like the other day I, I came upon a, uh, a fish made of uh, nanobots uh, that uh, was battling against uh, skinny demon-like creatures and was talking about the sorts of things that go inside. A lot like Austin uh, Spare talks about like the, um, the certain subconscious parts of yourself that live within you. Hmm. Uh, that's hmm. my. That's a big part of what I do. Well, remember every time you write in your in your journal in your diary, life's just passing you by. 
you know. <laughs> and there's so much, there's so much out there that you can go and experience. And that's the thing, Ben, is you that know. you do it so you can experience those like, things better. Oh, I more so, fully. Yeah, more fully. Like beer in a ball game. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yes. Yeah, okay. it, it so helps. The diary it. is the beer. And Hot then your dog room is the ball at game. the ball game. <laughs> Hot dog at the ball game. <laughs> Actually, I, I can put it in positive terms. You can. It's like being a child. It's uh, holding on to your like childlike view of of the world. You know, you're seeing magic in things. You're seeing some wonder in things. It's about holding on to that. It really right. is. Mm-hmm. I still want to see this brochure for Icelandic Hogwarts. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it would be very cruel, <laughs> right? Are teachers in Iceland cruel? Oh, they're lovely. Right. Oh. But my uh, the one question is, so how is this different than, like, prayer, right? You it, know, and because obviously people, they're always asking God for something. There's a, At no a very, point is someone like, dear Jesus, and he's just like, oh, great, I'm not going to get begged to save their child from cancer. At no point are they just like, thank you, you know, they have to work really hard. So do you always have to have an end game when you do, uh, when you have a, whatever, when you perform a ritual? Well, um, I think there are definitely magical tenets of Christianity. I mean, what is a prayer except a type of wish? And what is um, amen except a type of uh, rhythmical chanting that you're doing? You actually, they've uh, looked into this. And the om sound, the amen, the shalom, all these open vowel ending with a nasal, uh, like an M or an N, uh, what that does, it, it creates this vibration that kind of puts your brain in the right mindset. Hmm. So this rocking back and forth and making this kind of sound is to put you in a meditative state. So Christianity has maybe moved away from some of these things, but you can find all this stuff buried in there. Well, to answer your question yeah. as far as what the difference, what is different between magic and prayer is that prayer, it's both will, but it's the difference between passive will and active will. Well, because chaos magic specifically, like when you read about it, the idea of you know, the original hermetic magic and kind of Kabbalah study was about knowledge and like learning and, Mm. and, and making the rituals and learning about the archetypes, but chaos magic was specifically about doing something. Yeah. And it's the thing they always talk about uh, Satanism. It's the idea that like prayer is an empty gesture because all you're doing is asking right. and not s- doing something towards the goal. Right. Where right, chaos right, right. magic, the idea is that you're trying to use symbolism to change reality. And that was always one of my major conflicts with Christianity, especially the evangelical brain that I grew up in. Everyone was asking for things, giving money to the church, and they would just go back to their sheds and take a nap. Yeah. There was very, very uh, little action. Yeah. So you have to have the action with the ceremony, with the ritual. As far as chaos magic goes, yes. It's about, um, I guess, the way I've uh, seen it put is that it's a, a technology. Is that it's like it's the technology of consciousness. Uh, is that it's actually something using the consciousness that you have to actually make something happen through the use of techniques, where he's, uh, a lot of the other stuff is more like, I don't know, ritual. You know, it's well, not it's, necessarily it's practical intellectual. Yeah, it's like research. It's writing a book about about what you can do for magic, and uh, most of it's right. n- nonsense. Mm. I mean, because that's what we talk about: is that what did the Golden Dawn actually accomplish? Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> well, sure. I mean, it's the it's the same thing as writing for Sports Illustrated. You, doesn't mean you can play football. Yes. Right. So they just talk about it, but they don't actually get involved yeah. with it. Now, Ragnar, what are some good stories about magic and results? Like what? Like what are some things you'd like to share? But like rituals you've done, and the way they've gone good, and the way they've gone bad. Okay, so I'll tell you about the good one first. The first really big ritual that I did that had 
weeks, months of preparation. And with like with a lot of magical practitioners, it tends to happen when you're at some kind of low point in your life. It shouldn't be like that. You should be practicing it all the time. But with a lot of people, it's when they want to change something in their life because they feel something isn't working out. In my case, I'd just broken up with a girlfriend of a long-term relationship, and I had packed up my whole life, and I moved over to Italy, moved to Rome. And my poor big- baby. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. oh, things aren't working out, huh? Yeah, well, exactly. I had my little heart broken. No, of course, of course, of course. No, no, no. So, you know, I was a little down in the dumps, and I figured I wanted to do a ritual that was kind of, that would spark. I'm, I'm just going to talk openly about this. I haven't sure. talked about this to anyone, really. Um, that would uh, spark some kind of activity and fertility and about making things, being more creative. I wanted to get more writing done and, and so on. So the ritual was all centered around that. I knew that would be the key thing of it. I did it in several stages. So the first stage, I did something that I called spamomancy. So at that time, I was using an, um, an email, which was getting all these random word generator spam. So they would fill the body of the messages with all these phrases that they'd grab um, automatically from mm-hmm. different uh, books that were out of copyright. So you'd get these things which just like jumbled up text, but I would see a certain pattern coming out of it. And here's the magical thinking, you know, you're overanalyzing things. So I would see a certain pattern coming through that. And I felt that was indicating sort of the direction I had to take it. I did a second step. This was influenced by the situationists. And what they would do would be to, for example, go to a city with a map of a different city. So you'd go, I went to Rome using a map of London. And I tried to make my way through the old part of town with a London map. And of course, obviously got lost. And I decided I'd go to five bookstores. And each bookstore that I would stumble into, I'd go to the fifth shelf, uh, fifth, you know, fifth book, and so on. Fifth page, fifth line. And I'd write it down randomly, all in Italian. So I did this, came back, asked my friend who spoke uh, Italian, he was Italian, and um, to translate the, the text that I had. And it was a perfectly concise Sent a perfectly concise uh, bit of text, like a hmm. paragraph, which is bizarre because I had taken it so randomly from like an agricultural manual and a novel and whatnot. And it was all to do with plowing and, and you know, laying seeds and, and, you know, growing from the all very fertility oriented. Hmm. And the plow was uh, appeared twice in it from two different sources. So I felt that would be something I'd be incorporating into it. So that was kind of like, that was my way of kind of divining my way towards it. And the whole time I'm meditating quite heavily and trying to just get at how I'm going to phrase this. What, it, what is going to be the parameters of my ritual? When I actually get to the thing, it's, uh, it takes me about one day. Um, I mark out an area. I surround the area with mirrors of myself because it was also a way of kind of like engaging myself in certain flaws that I wanted to engage with. And I had ordered from Amsterdam a sizable bag of Amanita muscaria, fly agaric, which are the red mushrooms with the little white dots that you see in Alice in Wonderland. Mm. So, you know, you can dismiss everything I say from now on. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So basically I take that, and that is a horror of a mushroom. That is like go straight to your, like, stomach. It's a type of poison. It's very different from the other psychedelics you can do. It's very intense. And, yeah, I spent uh, – there was a large amount of meditation. Then I started actively using a sigil that I had created around the symbol of Aries and the plow. That I'd kind of – those have been the key things that I worked with. And like, What did you do with the spam? So the spam – those sentences you incorporated into – with the sentences that you pulled from the books. Like I said, I called it spamomancy because it was a form of divination. It was just like tea leaves. You just, oh, so you were looking at for this is the direction pattern. I need to go in. Yeah, yeah. Just and so to, it's just like you saw this and all this stuff about agriculture, all this stuff about plowing and fertility was coming out in in the spam stuff. That came more in the book thing when I went to the bookstores, but it had uh, already kind of led me in that direction. Yeah, with the interesting. With, yeah. 
So I'm, I can't do it anymore because I don't get these wonderful emails anymore. But so, yeah, I did this. And what, I, what happened there is I saw myself in the mirror as an independent entity moving between mirror to mirror in the room with me. And I had a conversation with myself standing up, turning his back to me as I was talking to him and so on. And I spent a while in that room. And I've, you know, I've taken hallucinogenics before. I know what to expect. It's nothing close to this. So this was a really strange experience. And I can't I really go into more detail other than I felt like I'd pushed this sigil out of me and into this kind of mirror image of myself. And things really started to happen after that. About three weeks after that, I started to see a massive difference in a number of uh, facets of my life. Did you have something in your head that you wanted to uh, resolve the entire time? Or was it just sort of like, do you let the trip take you? Uh, Who's in charge of who in the situation? I had a very clear intent the whole time. And that that was bound into the sigil that I was using. Like that was what I was projecting during the ritual. But I was also trying to like kind of commune commune with myself. How specific Hmm. was your intent? Like is it good to go in with a very specific intent or is it good because that thing in my head when I was doing a ritual I look at it in terms of like I literally visualize like when I was doing the, the sigil to get he, to, to get heroes I'll put it this way I imagined my tape playing in the room and I while I was masturbating I was imagining them discussing me and looking at the headshot and them looking at the other guy's headshot and like looking at this thing and being like we like this guy and I imagine them calling my agent like doing like little pieces and I don't know if that helps but do you feel do you or is it better to do something like that where it's more open-ended where shit just kind of flies in and out I would definitely say to do it like you were saying like I that's how I've done it before and since I've done it very specific even to the point where I'm if I phrase it as an actual sentence and then break that sentence down into a symbol, I would put it, let's say, I don't know, I want to lose 50 pounds or something, and I'll say, I am this many pounds. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to refer to the state that I'm going to be once mm-hmm. the wish is obtained, instead of saying, I wish this would happen. Is that That's such yeah. a weak way of saying it. Yeah. But in this case, there was a very clear intent. It was just uh, bifurcated. So you had like one hand just... It was a sexual thing as well. It was just about getting laid, getting, you know, back out there. As most, most magic, magic is. I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I mean, hell, no, if, don't be ashamed. That's what yeah, you do it for. Yeah. Sure. And the other thing was like creative, like fertility. So it was these two kind of senses. And, you know, I, not to put it too bluntly, had a lot of success in both ways. Boom. Fields. Yeah. yeah. Start yeah. Get that pussy. <laughs> That's what so, this is about. But also find right. love. I also believe that a part of the, like, what we were talking about before we started recording is that once I started incorporating magic into my life, a lot of shit fucking blew open in my life. There was mm. a lot of stuff that was like both career and also like meeting a, a woman, meeting a bunch of shit that kind of just went blah, 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 like all over the place. It, it provides a lot of chaos because if you're not too specific about your fucking goals, Shit's just gonna pop in because creativity is both. It's like it's both like you can grow a rose, but then there's a bunch of fucking crazy snarling vines that also will come shooting out of it. <laughs> yeah, if you're not specific, yeah. it's like it will get you to where you want to go, but it'll fu- imagine it like say uh, you say I want to get over there. I want something to take me over there, just across town. Uh, If you're not careful, you're going to get Godzilla to take you across town, and Godzilla (laughs) is going to fuck up everything along the way. Yeah, he's $15 for every half mile. Uh, He travels. (laughs) Godzilla's very, very very expensive pedicab. Um, We do have to think about (laughs) Henry jerking off to a uh, five or six middle-aged men. 
watching yes. him on TV. So you can't uh, you can't find that clip on Pornhub. No, that, no, that no, because for, if you did, specific. it would have be one of those where it's got a lot of the thumb downs. Yeah, I yeah, have yeah. the rating system on Pornhub. Oh, I know. All the women are beautiful. <laughs> you make a sex tape, you get a 40%. I mean, that's got to be the one place where I shouldn't get hate. Yeah, I agree. You know I what I mean? Agree. Anyway. So what's a time it went bad? Okay, so uh, actually, before before uh, we get to that, I, wa- I wanted to ask one more question about the, uh, the like the actual uh, good ritual. How did you come up with these like the spamamancy and you know going to London and you know going to or going to Rome and using the map of London and all that? How did you come up with that specific set of steps? Was it just like I want to do this or I want to do that or was there some sort of guideline to it? No, that was really just um, came out of myself. I, but I mean, I'm very influenced by the situationist and da- and Dadaism, and those people were obviously working with something that was you know related to magic and well, subconscious they're they're yeah. de- they're dealing with that kind of shit absolutely and like automatic writing and all these things of like trying to access your subconscious through like some repetitive activity and randomness and chaos so i thought there was a good fit and um yeah of course uh, like before odinism and uh, and uh, gnosticism so situationalist that that is like a sort of chaos like what is situationalism uh, situationists were a french movement of intellectuals that kind of precede the 1968 uh the summer of 1968 in paris and the and the uh, revolt there or protests or what have you and um they are kind of a precursor to the punks and some a lot of the philosophies of punk rock so Ah, that's about, yeah, that's about as deep that I'm going to get into it. All that right, is, cool. yeah, that's like the, the, the philosophy that gets you laid. Again, this <laughs> yeah, is what I'm talking yeah. about. This is how you can mm. fix your life, guys, in a way that's really weird. Yeah, <laughs> You can make your whole life, if you want to be weird all the time, guess what? Do this shit. Because <laughs> my life's been weird yeah. for yeah. about a year now. And it's been great. Very exciting. Yeah. Well, you can't guarantee an NBC show. No, 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 no. It's just not doing well in the ratings. <laughs> oh, no, no. It's doing We're doing okay. Well. Yeah, it's doing very, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. very well. But I think, uh, but I, I think you do make a valid point there, Ben. It's like to make, I think a, a part of it is to make realistic goals. You know, it's like yeah. you're not going to do a, a schedule to make you president of the United States. Like, that's not going to work. No, you already just got to this point, right? It's just like I only did that when I had already known that my my audition was going to, to the test. Right. I feel like that's what it is. It's, it's whatever you can do to push it. In your right. favor, yeah. and, and where things are going on, you know, it's just like I did things. There are little rituals that are just like you try to, and then I just do it every day. There are rituals that I do on the 11s every day. There are things that I do every single day before I go to sleep because it keeps you fucking keeps the, the momentum going. Sure, yeah. sure. Because that's what it's all about. It doesn't matter if it's real or not. A lot of it is just about focusing will, uh, and a lot mm. of it is just about having some sort of focus in your life to keep shit at the forefront and to keep you focused. I, I truly believe, like a lot of it is within you, a lot of it is subconscious, mm. but I truly believe there is some some crazy way that you're able to influence things outside of you. Yeah. And I see it like, kind of like you were talking about these little ways you influence it, like you have to first have made the steps to get to that point. I see it like curling, you know, the sport? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have yeah, a little broom, you create that little friction, it might not even be doing anything, but it's like, you know, you can influence that little puck and how fast it's going. Yeah, yeah. exactly, by, yeah. by being a fat dude swigging beer next to it with a... With a broom. You can do that. I mean, there's a lot of jerk-off motions in both, uh, which is kind of good. All right, now give us yeah. what everybody wanted, which is what's bad. I want to hear the, the worst. worst. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because that's the thing. Also, just know 
you need to do a lot of research. If you just fucking jump into this <clears> shit, <throat> you are going to ruin your life. That is, <laughs> it is very easy to ruin your life. Right, so you could have had a show on mm, CBS. Oh, my goodness. Yikes. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the other one was actually also in Italy. That was in, uh, in Florence. Uh, that was a few years earlier, and I hadn't done as much research, hadn't done as much preparation. I was really cavalier about it. So what I did was I had certain things going in my life that I was a little bit worried about. And, you know, again, it had to kind of to do with fertility and things like that. But it was nothing to do with love or, or such things at that point. So I created a composite god for myself, like a bastard god made out of elements of different older Babylonian deities and a couple of Mayan ones. So I just smashed it all together, took different you know, symbolisms that were associated with these gods, created it. I drew it up. I created it in clay. I worshipped it. I had this little thing that I made for myself. And I figured this was brilliant. Like I have this all worked out. I can just – this is ultimate chaos magic. I'm just mixing and matching like different elements. And then I go out there the an hour after I land in, in Florence and I had this whole thing prepared beforehand. I just watched my life start falling apart in the way that this ritual was targeted at in those aspects of my life. And it just starts falling apart. And over a week, just I have to rebuild everything from scratch. Yeah, the opposite of what you wanted to happen. Oh, ruining happened. relationship with family members, friends. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of things went awry. And it was just because I had approached this with a really stupid attitude and kind of – you're playing with things I didn't understand. Well, why do you think that that, that happened? Like creating your own God. Like why, why do you think that – do you think that something just got lost in translation or – I just feel like – I mean, okay, even if you don't believe in any of this, even if these are some dead deities from silly religions we don't take seriously anymore, they meant something to someone at some point. So they are charged with significance and symbolism and there's a meaning behind them. And you're playing with the symbolism. And even if it's just subconscious, you might be creating some toxic blend of different things that you don't know how to control. So I yeah. think it was, mm. you know, whatever lies behind them was what I was mixing up with it. Yeah, This sounds really silly, saying out loud, but it really does seem no, to have I mean, a negative effect on my If life. you already yeah. don't think this is silly, then then it doesn't. I mean, if you think <laughs> it's silly, then it's extra silly. <laughs> Uh-oh. That sounds exciting. So then your entire – once you landed, you, uh, you just noticed uh, specifically – and you don't think that these things would have gone wrong had you not messed up the ritual. Yeah, possibly. But that's how this works. Or I mean, just anything. The problem mm-hmm. is you're just – you're asking for – it's very, it's always a monkey's paw agreement. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where you're asking for help and you're asking for like cre- – you're asking for a change mm-hmm. and you're asking for all this sort of creative quote-unquote energy to come rush into something. And if that's what it is, you just don't know what – sometimes they have a real – sense of irony hmm. about what creative energy means. And it could also have been that, Ragnar, you had com- like, because you did this ritual, you had confidence in things that you might not have, should have had confidence in. Yeah, possibly. I, but I really think, like you were saying, like, um, I think magic is like the most anarchist, libertarian thing you can do. You're taking all the power into your own hands, and that means all the responsibility in your mm-hmm. own hands. You're not putting that in some external deity and putting all the responsibility there. So right. you're playing with something, you're playing with yourself, so whatever backfires on you, you just have to take it. Right, so mm-hmm. They say the difference mm-hmm. between religion and magic is mm-hmm. that religion is that you you prostrate yourself in front of God and you want to be, you you look to your God and you and you say, and you kneel before the God where magic is standing up and being the God. And right. it's like being uh, Peyton Manning. Sure. When the Broncos <laughs> fell to shit, that was that was his fault. That's right. That was his fault. He fucked it up. And what is Peyton Manning? What does he own? Papa John's. He owns 30 of them in Colorado. It's unbelievable. 
Um, that's very great. so. Do we want to get to some uh, listener questions? Yes, we have a couple of listener questions here. Uh, the first question is from Jeremiah. Ooh. Jeremiah asks. How do you magically put nipples on things? Hmm. Like if you could cast a spell to put nipples on a chick's butt, then really she would have four boobs or somebody's elbows at the office. Can I you destroy Jeremiah Ragnar? <laughs> no, this is a great question. I love this question. <laughs> He is destroyed. Oh, wow. Oh. I mean, what if he it, just came in his pants just now? Ooh, 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 ooh. It's possible that somebody probably does have nipples on their butt. He's just got to find the right gal. Yeah, I think so. You never know. Will. I check India. Yeah, you never know what's happening with people. But a serious question from Ellie Brown, uh, who, by the way, thank you so much for sending us the amazing care package. Yeah. Uh, Ellie sent us a, just a fantastic care package with some awesome buttons, yeah. a Ray Harryhausen coloring book. It's among the coolest Halloween care packages we've ever had. Yes, yeah, Marcus so is smizing. Yeah, I am smizing. <laughs> That's yes. a smize? What's a smize? Smiling with your eyes. Yes, I'm... What's Tyra? (laughs) (laughs) But what she said, here's what she asked. She has two questions. She said, how do you personally, as a practitioner of magic, rectify the seemingly diametrically opposed views of science and magic? What, am I going to take this? These are questions for you. You're the fucking (laughs) wizard. You're You're the the wizard, Ragnar. I am not an expert. Um, Well, I mean, chaos magic, obviously, in the earliest incarnation, and what Peter Carroll was talking about was to incorporate things from... um, uh, Quantum mechanics Quantum mechanics, yeah, yeah. But I don't know how deep that goes. I think it was quite, kind of, although I've read some recent interview with Peter Carroll. I think he's building a spaceship right now. I'm yeah. not even kidding. Yeah, that's what I hear. Yeah. Spaceship. Yeah. Cool. So uh, I hope he, he gets it checked out by somebody before he take, does the first pilot test. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, if you launch a space, uh, spaceship off of a, a cliff, you're flying for a little while. <laughs> so that's kind of good. But I would start on the ground. You know? it's, a, it's a kind of a spaceship of the imagination. So he's, oh. yeah, you know, there's a science fiction kind of element to some yeah. of chaos magic. Yeah, it, it's kind of like what Graham Orson talks about with the fiction suit. Uh, you were saying earlier as well, Henry, about alchemy and how that fits into magic. Oh yeah, we were talking about beforehand about the idea. It's it's, it's symbolism. It's a, there there is a how you rectify science and magic is the fact that there's like nothing really different. If you if you already view the world as a hologram, but we're going to talk about we're, what we've already talked about on the show is the fact that most magic posits that what this reality is is a reflection of what the gods are doing, and that is essentially just old timey talk for that we are a reflection for the underlying math. And so the idea is that if you can really grasp that concept and really believe that we are in a uh, manipulatable hologram that's what magic is and it is about perspective because essentially all reality is controlled by a fucking three pound lump of jelly that's in our heads it's got electricity running through it that is all reality that it's 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 up in your head you can get shot in the fucking head and it's over (laughs) i could stop existing we could all stop existing if one autistic boy gets shot in the head (laughs) you better be careful if you know one don't let him get shot that's yeah but it's like that's how you and so the idea is like an alchemy what 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 we've talked about before is that the, the the permutation of the metals from lead to gold is not about making money it's not about making gold it's about changing yourself 
And a part of that is that knowing that all physical things are just a reflection. Yeah, where the physical world is the base metal and the higher being, the higher state of being would be gold. I hope you're stoned for this. <laughs> yes, I want gold. And simultaneously, while we're doing this, they were, of course, also inventing several tools that we're using in chemistry today and, and so on. So yeah. this was, at that time, there was not a clear distinction between the two. Now there is more of one, but I guess the chaos magicians are kind of blending it together again. Well, chaos magi- a lot of chaos magicians say that magic is the next step in science. Is that after, after science comes magic rather than... The other way around. And science is yeah. helping nature. You know, I'm one of those who believe that science is a direct line in evolution. That we're supposed to combine with technology to go to the goddamn stars. Of course. <laughs> of course we are. We're not quite there yet with the mid tell me, human burp. <laughs> tell me more, Uncle Henry. Would you like another would you like another uh, beer? Yeah, yeah. Bring it close. Can we sit on old Uncle Henry's knee and tell you all about hermetics and also about how you're Aunt Natalie has still got it going out. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Any other? Uh, any yeah. Other the questions? the other the other question is, uh, what's the most foul thing you've ever used in a spell or magical operation? Mm, well, the one that went well, I was using my own blood a little bit, so that was about that's about as far as I got. Mm. What'd you know. do with the blood? I actually can't believe I'm admitting this stuff. Whatever. No. I, well, I I carved the thing into my flesh. There was, there the sigil. Yeah. yeah. Got to, I mean, man. that's hardcore, though. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? You know, I won't go that far. You know what I mean? I'll jerk off onto a thing, mm. but I'm already doing that anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's very interesting. Do we have any other questions from listeners? Uh, that is, let's see here. Well, uh, Claude Wilson, who helped us out quite a bit with uh, with the 9-11 magic episode, he wanted us to uh, all create ourselves a, a tulpa. The, thre- mm. the four of us would create a tulpa together uh, and uh, use it to, uh, to serve the last podcast community. We already and- have interns, though. <laughs> yeah. Is that a tulpa? Is that a tulpa? Are tulpas the things that help you climb my uh, Everest? No, it's no a sherpa. A sherpa. <laughs> if you're counting on a, a tulpa to help you up Everest, Oof. I hope you're wearing mittens. Good luck. <laughs> It's going to be a cold walk. Uh, yes. Please go in and listen to our episode, Thought Form Energy Ghosts, uh, to learn more about Tulpas. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here, Ragnar. Thank you. And Very illuminating. Yeah, thanks for sharing your experience. I would love to hear the uh, people who worked at the bookstores that you walked into and just be like, did the guy walk in, look at the fifth shelf, grab the fifth book, and then write down the fifth sentence? Yeah, he was covered in blood. And he was talking yeah. about all he wants to do is fuck. <laughs> so, but, well, I still gave him the customer discount because, well, I hate I hate it when people forget their cards, too. I hate it when I forget yeah. my oh, points Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, get, I did, too. Yeah, I, I get a free too. coffee every fifth book I check out. Hey, there you go. <laughs> That's not bad. Um, oh, we were going to have a guy from the OTO, but apparently uh, magicians are hard to keep tabs on. Isn't that something? <laughs> you know? I thought they would be right on time. He disappeared into a cloud of smoke, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd see somewhere eating cum. Oh, sweet, sweet OTO. Loving that menstrual blood. Loving that cum. Yeah. I hope you guys are enjoying yourselves. And uh, yes, so please put magic into your life, but do so responsibly. Yes, safely. What should be my first magical ritual, Marcus? Your first magical yeah, ritual? Uh, well, actually... Can I say, can I ask for more Joseph A. Bank? I was about to say, I would put your Pantheon, I would say Papa John's and Joseph A. Bank. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yep, that's what I would put. Yeah. Joseph A. Bank is, is definitely the head of your altar. So and I'm- Nixon. Uh, and Nixon. Uh, yeah, put Richard Nixon in there. Whew. I just watched our Nixon. Very good documentary. All right, Nixon's in. <laughs> well, hail Satan, everyone.
after that interview, he he definitely talked about how much cum he used to eat. <laughs> yeah, he definitely mentioned. He didn't that. talk about how you're slandering. Oh no, wait. He did specifically <laughs> say he ate cum, and then you said you ate cum. No, oh, Marcus yeah. said that before the show That's began. Right. That was actually off the record. Yeah, up and to this I wasn't point. eating cum for magical purposes. I was just curious. Wow, well, I didn't bring it up because I didn't think he wanted that exposed on air, but then he just brought it all up himself. So that's uh, fun to watch your friends bury themselves. You know, That's a good thing. I Man, like that. Hail sweet Satan. It, it is just a wonderful day. It is a wonderful day. And uh, in all honesty, everyone is doing extremely well. And uh, thank you guys so much for your support. Um, and uh, what is it? You, you find the last podcast on the left page on Facebook if you want to go be driven mad. Yeah. That's a good place. You can find all of us on Twitter. Uh, you can find LP on the left, at LP on the left. And then Marcus is at at Marcus Parks. Henry Zabrowski is at Henry Loves You. And I am at Ben Kissel. Yeah. Yes. And, that's uh, true. Yes. 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 Is that true? Yes. Is it? And if you want your last podcast on the left t-shirt, go to uh, cavecomedyradio.com slash merch. You can get one for $25. And while you're there, listen to all the other wonderful Cave Comedy Radio uh, podcasts that we do. Me and Ben do uh, a couple of others together, Abe Lincoln's Top Hat and uh, the Roundtable of Gentlemen. And I do a couple of others with uh, Henry's sister, Jackie, uh, Sex and Other Human Activities, Ooh. and uh, Page 7. Uh, and also, don't forget, uh, the live show oh, is yes. this Saturday October 24th at 10 p.m. at the Creek in the Cave at 1093 Jackson Avenue. Uh, it's a totally free show, and we're also going to be live streaming it, as we always do, on our YouTube channel. So yes. that's 10 p.m. Eastern time. I will be there for next month's show, finally. Thank November, God. finally. This finally. month, we've got Ed Larson coming in from the Roundtable of Gentlemen and Brighter Side. And uh, in early November, we'll be doing a, a podcast festival yes. uh, in Washington, D.C., which will be very exciting. That's right. That, uh, on November 8th, we're going to be doing uh, the uh, D.C. Podfest. Uh, if you go to D.C. Podfest or just a uh, Google DC Podfest. Uh, you can uh, get tickets for that right now, yeah. uh, and it's uh, going to be cool. It's yeah. going to be super cool. I can't wait. Um, Magustulations. Somebody on Twitter asked me what Magustulations means, and Magustulations means whatever you want it to. Yeah, you do it. You do it. You do it. <laughs> you do it. You do it. We're done. Hail Satan. Uh, hail me. Halkeen. Hail. Yep. Yes, hail you yourself. do what you got to do. I always say hail yourself because, you know, people should feel good. They do feel good, I think. They should. I think so. No matter what happens, don't don't forget we're walking corpses and it'll all be done soon. Yep, just meet on a bunch of bones going through a life that is heavily manipulatable by your own thoughts. That's right. So love yourself. Good night, everyone. <laughs> For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com.